Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into another episode of the Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. Where we go dinger after dinger after dinger after dinger. I like that. Oh, we don't do that, actually. That's Vlad Guerrero Jr. That's four <laughs> straight days with a home run for the top prospect in all of baseball. Two now in the city of Buffalo giving Bison's fans an up-close and personal view on how he ripped dingers, including the oppo field mm-hmm. from last night. <laughs> Dude. There's seven home games left, and you better bet that Guerrero's getting called up in September. So, if you haven't been to a Bison's game this year, go. It's cheap. Get there before he's gone. Yeah. Man was hitting 438 before last night. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's I don't, the best prospect. I don't baseball that often. Yeah. I know that's ridiculously good. Yeah. Yeah. He's too good for the minors. A lot of people say that he should have been called up called up to the big leagues right from double A. Well, I'm grateful that they didn't do that. And the only reason he went to Buffalo was for contractual reasons. No, conditioning. Well that I, I thought like it was like a like yeah. I thought it was just so he, that they could he have was coming another, off an injury. I thought it was just more or less they just wanted him to uh You don't have they wanted to, to have go, control of the contract for another Well, they're gonna have control of it anyway. Yeah. Like, but they the don't reason. have to break, have him go from double A AA to triple A then to the big. They could call him up right from oh, yeah, AA I know. if they want to. I'm still grateful that they didn't. Yeah. So, there you go. And we'll be moving on pretty quickly here because we have Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic, formerly of New York Upstate, but now with The Athletic, joining us now on the Leftovers Podcast. Matt, it's Derek and Frank here on the Leftovers Podcast. Thanks for joining us here today, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Hey, man, it's been a while. We've been, you know, you used to be a regular here with us on the on the nightcap, and then Ryan leaves, and uh, suddenly we're like, hey, why haven't we talked to Matthew Fairburn in a while? So I figured, why not? Let's let's get him back here with us here for at least at least a podcast, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's been too long. It's been too long, and Matt, you're now you you may be writing for another for another company, but you're still doing what you do best, which is you're on the beat with the Bills, and that means we get to still ask you the same questions. Absolutely. I'm, I'm here for you. <laughs> All right, so let's get it started with um, Thursday's preseason game, Josh Allen's debut. And a lot of people seem to think that, you know, it was, it was good, not great, fairly decent, but, you know, he could have done more. But his supporting cast could have done more, and it almost showed a lot of the uh, – in defense of Josh Allen in the draft process? Yeah, I think so. Honestly, I thought he was better than I expected him to be. And that's not to say I expected a disaster or anything like that. But, uh, you know, and a, a guy making, you know, his first appearance in the NFL, albeit in the preseason, against third stringers, I expected maybe a little bit more nerves or. Uh, you know, him playing it a little bit safer, but he was the quarterback that he's kind of been 
hyped up to be in some circles, a, a guy that was a bit of a gunslinger who was willing to throw the ball 60 yards downfield a couple of times and, you know, fit the ball into small windows and really use that arm strength. Obviously, he still showed some of the things that give people some concern, right? I mean, his pocket presence at time was a little bit iffy, um, you know, a little bit inconsistent. I didn't think accuracy was a huge issue uh, on Thursday night, but there were, you know, some decisions he made that, you know, made you uh, realize that he still has a little ways to go. But I, I thought overall you had to be encouraged by what you saw because that arm, I, I really think, is maybe the best in the entire NFL. Maybe Aaron Rodgers would take issue with that, but there aren't too many quarterbacks who could fit the ball you know, into some of the windows he was throwing into. And I think his confidence and his willingness to be aggressive and bounce back from mistakes, those were all good things. Personally, I just want to now see him do it against better competition and with better players around him to get a real feel for where he is in his development. And that leads me to the next question there, Matt. It's uh, it's becoming a little more obvious, you know, from last week and then before the preseason game, Josh Allen wasn't getting a lot of those extra snaps with the first team like he was at the start of training camp. Um, how is how is his snap count looking from Friday's practice, and what do you think happens going forward with Josh Allen's reps in training camp as it comes to a close? Yeah, so on Friday, he did mix in with the first team for a few plays. It wasn't quite what it was, you know, before where he was getting a series or two, but he did get to mix in for the first time in about a week, which was a little bit of a change at least. I'm curious to see how they handle it going forward. I think early indication is that they think this guy probably needs to to sit to start the year because he just hasn't gotten enough first-team reps to even – be considered a legitimate contender in this quarterback competition. But probably more puzzling to me is the fact he hasn't even gotten too much, any run at all with the second team offense. And I think at some point he needs to move up. You know, at some point, third team reps aren't doing him as much good as second or first team reps would do him. And I understand the need to bring him along slowly and be patient with him and really take the time to develop him. But he's up against a bunch of guys who are probably going to get cut. He's playing with a bunch of guys, you know, most of which will be cut. So I think at some point he needs to get bumped up. And I think when that happens, will be interesting to see because they're, they're still viewing this as, you know, a competition between Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron and sort of Josh Allen. So they need to give A.J. McCarron you know, his fair share of reps, but at some point you can't divide it up three ways. You know, we saw it a few years ago when the Bills had the three-way quarterback competition before. You need to give uh, the lion's share of reps to your first team with their quarterback that they're going to be playing with. And then for Josh Allen's development, you need to give him some valuable reps with the twos at the very least for him to, you know, really start to take some strides in his development and for you to get a feel for who he is and what he needs to work on when he's in there against better competition. Matt, uh, speaking of the quarterback competition, any other takeaways from from uh, from Thursday's game based off of uh, Peterman and, Mc- and McCarron's play? 
I thought both of them played pretty well, especially Nathan Peterman hitting on, you know, nine of nine passes to start the game. He had the interception, uh, was his lone incompletion, but that was a pass that probably could have been caught, uh, probably could have been thrown a little bit better as well. I thought he played really well, though. He looked confident in what he was doing before the snap, and that made him confident after the ball was snapped, going through his reads, getting the ball out of his hand quickly. I think that's where Peterman has a slight edge on A.J. McCarron is he does get the ball out quicker, and that leads to fewer sacks, fewer negative plays. Uh, he showed a nice chemistry with Kelvin Benjamin, which you know whoever wins this starting job needs to lean on Kelvin Benjamin because he's really the only proven commodity they have at wide receiver, and getting him involved in the passing game is going to be a huge boost for this team uh, if they can find a quarterback who can do it. The fact that he connected on four passes for 59 yards and a touchdown on one drive with Kelvin Benjamin I think is is definitely a huge positive in his, his corner. But A.J. McCarron was pretty good, too. He led a long drive. You know, again, these guys both look like they're in control of the offense, and it's an offense, too, the scheme, I think, that's going to be a lot better for this passing game in general. I mean, scheme is important uh, in the passing game these days, and Brian Dable seems to have, uh, you know, a few tricks up his sleeve and a few wrinkles in this offense that they didn't have a year ago, and I think that's going to help whoever's under center. Yeah, I mean, really one of the biggest takeaways I had from this game, Matt, was the fact that the offense looked like something that wasn't the version of a wet cracker, and I think that Dable also, one of the greatest delights that I took out of that game was the fact that he knows there's a quarterback competition. He let these guys sling it. Yeah, there was no LaShawn McCoy, but what do you think about the fact that, you know, there were 40 pass attempts by the quarterbacks and, you know, they let them try to learn everything and take command? Yeah, I think that was great. And, you know, like you said, this is a quarterback competition, and the way you learn about these guys isn't by having them go, you know, four of seven passing for 50 yards. You need to let them air it out a little bit. You need to not only throw the ball a decent amount, but, you know, run some concepts that force them to push the ball downfield and go through some progressions and not just dink and dunk their way, you know, through the through the defense. And, you know, it's the preseason. These defenses aren't scheming. Brian Dable probably isn't game planning the way that he's going to during the regular season, but you still got to see, you know, a willingness to throw the ball even when the defense thinks you're going to throw it. And I think that puts these quarterbacks in a position to, you know, really show what they can do. And especially with Josh Allen in the second half, I thought that was, you know, crucial to show that confidence in these guys because it's easy to sit there and when you have a three-way quarterback competition to try to keep the training wheels on them and, you know, a lot of people view quarterback as a weakness of this team, but so much of that mentality is, you know, that, that coaching and, and that offensive coordinator and head coach being willing to be a little bit aggressive can, you know, put a little extra pep in the step of these quarterbacks and give them some of that reassurance that this team does believe in them and will be willing to throw the ball. And I think that's important heading into the regular season, no matter who wins the job. All right, so enough on the quarterbacks. We got a pleasant takeaway from all these quarterbacks. And, you know, staying on the offense, though, um, the offensive line, it didn't look like the biggest weakness that we were all cringing and preparing for it to be. 
you saw a couple of bad plays from that starting offensive line, but overall, what was your take on the uh, front five on the offensive line? Yeah, I thought they looked pretty good. I think the one thing with the offensive line is, you know, the flip side of them passing the ball so much is we didn't get to see a lot of them run blocking. And I think that's an area where you wonder about them just because Richie Incognito and Eric Wood and even Cordy Glenn were so strong in that department. So you wonder how they're going to move on from those guys, you know, run blocking. Because pass blocking, I think they, they've, you know, got a pretty good, you know, five. They're not perfect by any means. And there will be some moments where, you know, the team is missing Eric Wood and missing Richie Incognito. But Deion Dawkins looks like a solid left tackle who's going to continue to grow. And the rest of the line is all guys who are experienced in the NFL. They're not, you know, this isn't their first go around. So there'll be mistakes. They're not the most talented group. But I thought they looked okay on Thursday night. I want to see a little bit more in terms of, you know, how they're going to run block. But even on Thursday, we wouldn't have gotten the full picture because LaShawn McCoy's not in there. And that's another area, too, where I think Brian Dable is going to be a real advantage for these guys because he's going to use the tight ends and the fullbacks, uh, you know, in the, in the run blocking game and scheme those things up to get some openings and get, you know, these running backs to the second level of the defense. So I think the offensive line will be okay. They didn't plan to have to replace Eric Wood and Richie Incognito heading into this offseason, but, you know, it's, it's something that happened, and they have some guys that have played in this league and, you know, have done some good things. And I think as they continue to come together as a group, uh, you know, you'll see decent line play. Let's not forget, there's not that many offensive lines in the NFL that are really standout units right now. I mean, offensive line play is a bit of a problem around the league. So I think when you compare it to the rest of the league, the Bills aren't in quite as bad of shape as maybe they once thought they were. All right, flipping to the defense here real quick with you, Matt. Shaq Lawson started in place of Trent Murphy. The injury kind of has let Lawson have an opportunity to try to wrestle some snaps away for the start of the season, and he seemed to impress to me. What's your take been on Lawson, not just from Thursday night, but throughout camp? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. When he was talking in the spring about his new motivation and being in the best shape of his life and, you know, having a wake-up call with all the trade talk, I kind of brushed it off a little bit just because you hear that all the time. And in the spring, it's easy to talk that game. It's a lot harder to back it up in training camp and in the preseason. But now one preseason game in and 10 or 11 practices into camp, I've got to say, I think he's backing it up. I really do. And Trent Murphy getting that groin injury and being out for a little while gave Shaq Lawson an opportunity to be back with the first-team defense and show a little bit of what he can do. I think he can be a good part of this defensive line rotation, assuming they decide to keep him around and don't try to swing a trade of some sort. Because he's, first of all, very good at batting passes away at the line of scrimmage. He's doing it almost on a daily basis in practice. We saw it in the preseason game against Cam Newton. And he's showing a little bit more of a pass rush, too. I think that's the one area where, you know, Shaq Lawson has always lacked. He's always been good in run defense, and he's starting to show that he can bat passes away. If he can develop some pass rush moves and be a decent option for them, I think that's where he can carve out his niche because he doesn't have to be an every-down defensive end. He can be a guy 
that comes in at defensive tackle and pass rushing situations and, you know, provides a little bit extra speed off the line of scrimmage for them. So I think he's looking like a guy that could be a decent, you know, producer for them on the defensive line. This defensive line looks a lot deeper than it did a year ago. It's not just Shaq Lawson. You know, you've got Trent Murphy, Harrison Phillips, Starlo Tulele, all providing just a, a better, deeper rotation than they had a year ago. I think that'll help the run defense, and, you know, hopefully it'll help the pass rush as well. Going back to the offense, Matt, uh, besides Calvin Benjamin, who we know is going to be the number one receiver on the team, it's wide open for anybody else. Any takeaways from the first game against Carolina and the practices since on how the receivers are looking and what, what the competition has been? Yeah, I think a few guys have started to fall off a little bit. You know, in the spring, Robert Foster and Austin Prohl looked like guys that could be sneaky options for the final roster uh, and and maybe, you know, steal a roster spot from somebody. I don't think that's the case uh, 10 days into training camp now. I mean, Austin Prohl hasn't been getting a ton of reps. Doesn't seem like he's, you know, impressed uh, too many people at this point. Robert Foster's had a lot of opportunity, uh, as you saw in the preseason game. He just hasn't really taken much advantage of it. So I feel like, you know, you've got Kelvin Benjamin cemented as the number one. I think Jeremy Curley, Andre Holmes uh, are looking like they're probably safe. You know, they, you know what you're getting out of those guys. They each have their role. And then it's, you know, Zay Jones and Corey Coleman are both kind of wait-and-see options. You know, what are you going to get out of those guys? Uh, because... Zay Jones missed most of the offseason with injuries uh, and, you know, was late to, to getting on the field in camp. Still has been in a no-contact jersey for every practice that we've seen. We'll see if that changes today. But, you know, between him and Corey Coleman, who was, a, you know, an unproven guy who has really underwhelmed since being a, a first-round pick a few years ago, there's a lot of potential there, but we haven't seen much. So, they're still waiting for a second receiver to really step up and grab hold of, of, you know, that role because right now it's a little bit wide open and nobody's really separated themselves. So maybe that'll happen in the second preseason game. You know, one name I will throw out who I think is doing a, a nice, you know, job trying to earn a spot here is Ray Ray McLeod. Yeah. I think he's a guy that, that steps it up during games and has looked pretty good and, he looked good on Thursday night, and he's a guy that Josh Allen trusts. So I think he's a guy that could sneak onto the roster when it's all said and done. And not to mention, McLeod has returnability. That was one of the biggest things when he was drafted. People said, hey, this guy goes back on kick and punt returns. So that would help his case as well. Matt, thanks for taking the time with us, man. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. We'll do it again soon. Oh, you better bet, Ben. Matthew Fairburn, just one more time, let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, you can check out all our stuff at theathletic.com slash Buffalo. Um, new stuff all the time and got a few things in the works that I think uh, people will enjoy. So you can check it out there. All right, Matt, thanks as always, and we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right. That was Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic hanging out with us here on the Leftovers podcast. And, you know, Frank, everything about this, fun. everything about the Bills, yeah, dude, it's, it's something we're gonna have to keep doing because oh, absolutely, this team has a lot of intrigue, mm-hmm. and you saw it with that Thursday night game, and this is actually the first time we get to react to the, all of this stuff, isn't it? It is. 
I so let's about talk. That. Let's talk about. A, there's a little disadvantage to a Wednesday Sunday schedule. Yeah, <laughs> but I think though, largely, I the biggest thing for me was Josh Allen. Of course. I mean, I knew I was watching the whole game because all the quarterbacks are playing, and I need to see who's going to be my starting quarterback, and then I need to see what's going on with the future of my quarterback. I don't think we could have drawn this up any better how all of them played. I mean, yes, you could have with Josh Allen maybe connecting on one of those passes to Robert Foster. That's a better way to draw it up. Sure. And he gets two touchdowns instead of one. Sure. And if he hits on one of those deep balls, like people are probably just going bonkers. <laughs> but that first play, the, the first play of the second half. If yeah. he pushes that thing a little closer to the middle of the field, that is connected and gone. Yeah. He just pushed it too far to the sideline and for Foster to get it. Um, and it's funny that that's the one that he catches, though. Mm-hmm. And as Paul Hamilton said uh, on Sports Talk Saturday with Brayton, Foster might have played himself off the team. And he needs to step up in a huge way against Cleveland next week. He does. Speaking of you know the reps, by the way, and we just talked with Matthew about it, mm-hmm. Josh Allen – I know he's not going to see any time with the ones right now because there's an active competition between Peterman and McCarron. Yes. What I'm suspecting is this, Frank. That third preseason game, you're going to see Allen with better competition. I think Peterman and McCarron go for three quarters with the starters or into the third quarter with the starters. In that third preseason game? Yes. Josh Allen probably takes over halfway through the third quarter Okay. with the second team. I get what you're saying. And that is where you're going to see him with the better competition against probably better competition, if not the same competition, but better supporting cast. Yes. Which means maybe we see that real dominant performance. But I decided to do something, though, heading into the show, Frank. Yes, I did prep for the podcast. You're welcome. Go go on. I charted the debuts of all five first-round quarterbacks. Okay. Josh Allen had the second most attempts. Behind uh, Baker Mayfield. Behind Baker Mayfield. But he also got pretty much the second most in anything else, except for completions. Right. Uh, Yards, 116. One touchdown. That's behind Baker Mayfield. Mayfield, 11 of 20, 212, and two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Darnold, 13 of 18, so it's not like he didn't get a lot of reps. 96 yards, one touchdown. One touchdown. Lamar Jackson in the Hall of Fame game, that was really his debut. Uh, four of 10, 33 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. And then in this past game against the Rams, he went 7 of 18 for 119 yards. There you go. So you're seeing pretty much Lamar Jackson kind of in that he's not ready yet mm-hmm. kind of territory, which a lot of people thought, and I thought the same thing. I just love his talent. And I would have he loved did, the Bills. He did, he did run for a touchdown, though. He did. And, and it broke was nice. Ankles. <sighs> Broked ankles. It's, gonna, that potential's there for him. I miss you, Lamar. <laughs> but Josh Allen still played pretty well. Josh Rosen, by the way. 6 of 13, 41 yards. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to go ahead and bash what I thought was QB1 for it, but this is the part where narratives get in the way again, Frank. And I'm not going to go on this angry rant this time, but what I am going to say is it needs to at least be addressed, right? Think about this. Josh Rosen's getting the defense of 
good Lord, that group was terrible. He deserves some time with the ones. That's what a lot of people in Buffalo are saying about Josh Allen right now, right? Mm-hmm. Get him time with the ones, or at least by God with the second team. Because he was running for his life. And this is just a natural thing, by the way, in the NFL preseason. Third team offensive lines do not have the depth capability of third team defensive lines. You get a lot more athletes on the defensive line that are, you know, in the third string trying to fight to make a team, and it's more realistic that they can make the team. Right. You don't get a lot of that with offensive linemen. And like Matthew Fairburn just said with us, offensive line play is kind of on an overall scale not as good in the uh, in the entire league. So what do you think is going to happen when you got third-string offensive linemen? Exactly what you expect is mm-hmm. the answer. So, yeah, it just – everything about it is is painful to watch when you're throwing these guys in with third-team offensive linemen. And all of them are rookies that, you know, they all are making their debuts and they're all running for their lives at one point. But I want to say thank goodness that Brian Dable gets it. He knows that he wants Josh Allen to throw as many attempts as possible, get as many snaps and dropbacks as possible. Right. There was, on that third and 22, there was no draw play called. No. Hugh Jackson did it with Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Hugh gonna Hugh. Of course. Thank you, Dayball, for not doing that. Mm-hmm. In a real game, you better bet there's probably a draw play going or a screen. What do we get? We got Josh Allen chucking deep. Yeah. Cool. I'm down with it. Because it's preseason, they know the record doesn't count, and they know that there's a learning experience to be made there watching the film on the play after. Mm-hmm. Going forward on fourth and three. I love it. I love it. Because you get to learn. Mm-hmm. I tweeted that out right before the snap of that play, thinking, okay, this is going to be a learning experience for Josh Allen. If he doesn't make it, you can review it on the film. If he does make it, that's a huge confidence boost. But there's no losing situation here. Oh, boy, was I wrong. (laughs) Because the person that learns a lesson in the film room that day, that's not Josh Allen, that's Keith Ford. Yeah. Because he's told, bro, you got a chip. On that blitz. You got to chip off the play action there Uh, because you messed up. Yep. You forced him to run for his life. And that's where we got Josh Allen at Wyoming tape. Yeah. And it wasn't pretty. It was almost an interception. The dude tried to be a hero, and I don't blame him for it because it was fourth down. You need to actually try to do something with the football. Yeah. But then when he realized it's too late, I got to just try to do – honestly – it's better, it's better to at least get but, rid of the ball and force an interception than get sacked, and then Carolina takes over from where the where it was downed, whereas now honestly, it's from where the The one thing was. I would say as a coach is if you end up getting yourself into that situation and it's fourth and three, don't even try chucking it up for a prayer. Save yourself. Spike that. Because he's well out of the pocket. That's fair, yeah. You know, I don't want – like in the, pre- in the rest of the preseason, I don't want to see that again because you, get, you can get hurt. You that's can. the biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably what the coaches are telling him from that is, I mean, you ended up in a bad spot. You did. And the back should have chipped. But at some point, when you realized it was too late, don't try chucking it up. Don't try being a hero. It's preseason. Save yourself. Yeah. And that's all you got to do for that. Remind, it remi- you know, it reminds you a little bit of the uh, Matt Sims play. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> there were a lot of parallels to the Matt Sims play there. Oh, my God. And there were a lot of people laughing about it. 
Yeah. Saying, oh, God, it's Matt Sims 2.0. Oh, God, Josh Allen didn't learn a thing from Wyoming. Oh, God, Josh Allen's a bust. All's that? All that's yet to be determined, yeah. people. Um, look, you don't have to like Josh Allen right now, but you have to accept that he is the Bills quarterback. So Bills fans saying this about Josh Allen, shame on you. Because it just... It baffles me. Look, being right's cool. But you know what you want more than being right? A franchise quarterback. I hope he proves all the doubters in Buffalo wrong. I don't care about the national media saying this. Because, well, they don't have a horse in the race. Because they can just flip the script and be like, yo, Josh Allen's good. The Bills are good. This is good. Good for Buffalo. Good for little Buffalo. Bills fans will turn around and be like, yo, you were trashing this guy like four months ago or two years ago or whatever timeline before Josh Allen gets good. Right. And that's going to happen. It's going to be natural. Of course. But if you're from here and you like the Bills, don't give me any crap about how you think Josh Allen sucks. I don't want to hear it anymore. I had him as QB5. Do you think I care anymore? No. He's a Buffalo Bill. At the end of the day, I'm going to do what I want, what I can, and what I want to do is support him. Because I'm a Bills fan. If you're not doing the same thing, suck it. Because you're not a real fan at that point right now. You can not like a pick. But you can go ahead and bury what you're thinking about it, too. I thought you weren't going to go on a rant today. It's not angry. I'm not yelling. Yeah. I just said my piece. There's a difference, Frank, between saying your piece and going on an angry rant. One includes more volume <laughs> and possible peaking. Definite peaking of audio. To the point where you're like, dude, shut the hell up. <laughs> So, so you suck it too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, but taking away from this though, Josh Allen put up arguably the second best stat line. Some will probably argue Sam Darnold with the higher completion percentage, but the dude had 20 less yards. And I saw a group. Because Teddy Bridgewater and Josh McCown got a grand total of two drives with the entire team. So so Sam Donald played with twos. He played with a better supporting group. Mm-hmm. He played against better competition too, but he played with better players. And Robert Foster, not just with those two deep balls, there was a drop, there was a miscommunication. Allen put that on himself, so you know I'm not going to put that on Foster. Austin Prohl had a drop on an out route. It's tough. But you're looking at, you're counting four passes that could have, and two that should have, been caught. What Josh Allen needs to improve on with me overall is the decision making. Because he thinks he can make every throw. And there's nothing wrong with that if you're Brett Favre. There is something wrong with that, though, if the next thing you know, you're passing up the easy pass and the easy completion 
to try to force into a window. You saw two passes on the sidelines, one to Foster and one to Prohl. Both were incomplete because the corners were blanketing them the whole time. Tough, they're tough passes to catch. I don't want to see as much of that. If you can get rid of some of that, first off, that ups your completion percentage. But second, and more importantly for me, helps you move the ball. And it makes you a better quarterback when you're understanding what you have to do with the football. And that's what the film's going to do for him. And that's why giving him almost 20 pass attempts, actually more than 20 pass attempts because of the fact that you know he does drop back and he has to run three times, try to run for his life. You gave the guy more than 20 dropbacks. There's a lot to take out of this. Right. And there's probably going to be just as much with the Cleveland game. Do you, so do you think it's probably going to be something similar then? Yes. I think he gets a similar workload. Okay. And that third game is when he's going to play with second teamers, probably. And the fourth game, he's probably getting the whole game. Yeah. He might be running for his life half the time, but the second teamers are probably going to be hanging around there a little bit longer too. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that wide receiver. You're going to need to get Coleman some reps. You're going to need to get Zay Jones some reps. Mm -hmm. They'll probably play in that game. Yeah. You will have better teammates around for these last two preseason games. Just hold on one more week, Bills fans. You'll get your wish. Well, some of you will get your wish. It's probably Because the ones that want them to play with the ones, they're not getting their wish. Yeah. It's... It's really, it's, likely, it's really become a two-man competition. It's likely to – you might see Allen get get some reps with Coleman and Jones in that third preseason game as well because that's the dress rehearsal game. Yes. And if it goes the way, the way you think it will, where Peterman and McCarron split time with the ones for most of the game, the first half and then some of the third quarter – if we know where we where we are with the receivers by then and you're still we're still figuring out Coleman and Jones, you, wanna, you might see them play with Allen. You wanna know what I want to see? I wanna see this competition be decided on Friday. Yeah. Because it does something easier for you. You wanna know what that is? It allows what I'm saying about that Cleveland game, I mean about that third game mm-hmm. against Cincy, to kind of come more into fruition. Yeah. Because what you could do is Say it's Peterman. We'll use the hypothetical example here. Sure. Peterman rips up Cleveland and McCarron doesn't. Mm-hmm. You might have your leader in the clubhouse, and it might be definitive. And Sean McDermott wants this thing to be settled. Yeah. So what does that mean? Well, that means that you have a chance to get Josh Allen some more reps because you have your, you have your starting quarterback. Peterman plays a good chunk of it with the ones. Then McCarron comes in probably around – second half or third quarter, get some limited snaps, maybe one drive, and then you give it to Josh Allen. Yeah. As he plays with the backups. That's how you, that's how it makes it happen. Or obviously if you flip flop it if McCarron does well and Peterman doesn't have this thing one decided. Of them. Have this thing decided, damn it. By in a week. In a week. Yeah. That's all I ask. Cause then that makes life so much easier for how to develop your quarterback. In Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And Sean McDermott knows that he doesn't want this thing to linger too long either. Yeah. So for everyone's sake, one of you needs to not do good next week. Sorry. <laughs> 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 
Sorry, AJ if, McCarron if or stuff, Nathan Peterman. I'm, if, I'm rooting against one of you. <laughs> I don't know who yet, but I'm rooting against one of you. <laughs> if we know who the Bills' starting quarterback's going to be, question. I think that I think after that, the next question would be: Are they keep? Is it going to be five receivers they're keeping, or even six? Because as what uh, Matthew Fairburn just said, we know KB is going to be the number one. So you got KB, you said, got Jeremy Curley. And he said Andre Holmes is probably Andre Holmes safe is as probably well. Safe. So you got there's three right there. Coleman and, then and it's Jones. Coleman and, and then you expect Coleman and Jones. I expect Coleman and Jones. And that's five. Are you? Is that it? Or are you going to have one more? You might keep Ray Ray McLeod around because that's, he returns kicks. That that might be the factor. That might be the deciding factor. I think they could keep six. But the problem is, then, you're keeping only three tight ends. Which? And they have all been looking good. Yeah. Kroom and Kari Lee are putting competition on Logan Thomas and Nick O'Leary. There's going to be some tough decisions to make at the end of the roster. Who would have thought that I'd be saying that about an offensive position? Yeah. Let alone two offensive positions. As training camp comes to a close. Yeah. If you would have said that to me, that I would say that. During training camp and the preseason about the offense, I might have called you insane. (laughs) But here we are, and there's a lot of promise for once. And the biggest thing of all is that the mentality of Brian Dable is going to be everything for this offense this year. Mm -hmm. Because if we're not playing dinosaur football – with a wet cracker offense, moist cracker, ugh, yeah. just sounds uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Well, that's watching Rick Dennison for you. <laughs> that's Rick Dennison's offense. That's Rick Dennison's offense. It's uncomfortable as saying moist cracker or hearing it. You're welcome <laughs> for the audio-visual matching. Rick Dennison could go to hell. Whoever's listening and when to he's this there, just cringed. And when he's time. there, I'm going to channel the Stugats. You could say hello to Arp Riles. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Um, I just, there's a lot to like. And, by the way, that was all without LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. Let's roll. Again, I'm embracing. Nah, that's fine. I'm you embracing a I, free pass of a regular season this year. And I don't, I, I don't want to see McCoy play in the. Preseason. Yeah, no, keep him out. Keep, keep him, him out. out. Darius Geis got hurt. Just yeah. keep keep McCoy out of the preseason. Yeah, give him 14 snaps in game three, and that's it. Snaps, not even carries. Just snaps in total. He doesn't even need to touch the ball 14 times. Yeah, he doesn't even need to touch the ball four times. You know what you have. Good Lord, keep him out of and, these games. Uh, Jay Ajayi apparently just got, is uh, with the trainer right now in Eagles practice right now. Bubble wrap. No, you know what? Not even bubble wrap. That bubble. Just the big put him, bubble. Put him in that bubble. Yeah. First off, <laughs> he'd have a blast. <laughs> he would. <laughs> because who, who wouldn't? Because who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? <laughs> Second, protect this man. <laughs> yeah. With your lives. If you must. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need him. You need him. 
I got a tweet yesterday from someone. But uh, but to be fair, Marcus Murphy has looked pretty good. He's too. looked good, but then this is going to play into what I'm saying here. Yeah. I got a tweet from someone yesterday saying that Marcus Murphy's looking pretty good. And Darius Geis got hurt for Washington. He's out for the year. Yep. Why not talk about trading LaShawn McCoy? And once I heard trading LaShawn McCoy, I'm like, no. 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 Not allowed. No. For a second? What? I get that people don't pay first-rounders for running backs. But the only reason I will be listening. You know what? Let's replicate this. I got a phone here. Hello, just Brian Bean. Brian Bean. Brian Bean. Just Brandon Bean. Oh, Washington, what's up? Okay, wait, you want LaShawn McCoy? Uh, I'm going to hang up now. Yeah, okay, okay, maybe. Okay, you're, I'm listening if you're offering a first-rounder. Oh, you're not? Yeah, that's not, that sounds about right. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. That's how that conversation goes. Actually, it goes more like this. Hello, just Brandon Bean. No. <laughs> That's how it goes. Yeah. That's how that goes. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I want to be able to discuss things with fans, and I always do, and I did with him. But when you hear, when I see the words trade LaShawn McCoy, I'm not discussing with you. I'm just saying don't trade LaShawn McCoy, and it's going to be on repeat. There are things that you can discuss with fans. There but are then things that you can do. Uh, even us as fans have to remember, have to be realistic on th- on things as well. They're not why, trading him. <laughs> yeah, why would you trade LaShawn McCoy? Why would you have no reason to do even it? Even if we had an Alvin Kamara, your, Mark yeah, Ingram situation. Even if we had an Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram situation. You still keep McCoy for a year. You still keep McCoy around because then you have the Kamara-Ingram situation. Yeah. Which is two really awesome running backs. Yeah. Huh. Neat. Neat. Also, also, also. You don't trade your best offensive player. That too. Also, 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 also. (laughs) Why would you even think about it? I would rather. Because, Because this guy's looked good. Because the talent gap between Murphy and Chris Ivory versus LaShawn McCoy is, by God, and this is not anything to be against Marcus Murphy or Chris Ivory, good God, the gap is rather large. On talent and how to shed blockers, Mm -hmm. oh, and pass-catching ability, known pass-catching ability, from LaShawn McCoy. I mean, it's it's not like we're saying Murphy hasn't looked good. Because he's looked good, it's just he's not... Ready? He looked good in a preseason game. Yeah. And by God, he deserves a chance to make this roster against Tavares Cadet, against Keith Ford. Yep. And Taiwan Jones. And Taiwan Jones. One of those guys is looking over their shoulder. Two of those guys probably looking over their yeah. shoulder. You know who's not? Chris Ivory and LaShawn McCoy. Mm-hmm. Marcus Murphy probably does make this team. He's got something to him, and you saw it in Miami in the last week of the season as well. Yeah. When McCoy was hurt. Mm-hmm. Did he play in the playoff game, too? I don't remember if he got snaps. Hmm. I'll have to look that up. There's a lot to forget about that game, Frank. Well, obviously. <laughs> and I'm choosing to forget it. I just think, though, that, yeah, it, it was just one of those things where you just, 
I think it's more okay to kick someone in the shins than to say something about trading LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. I'm not lying. So, the last thing I want to know, though, is this. How good is this defense going to be? Because you know what I noticed? Jermaine Edmonds wasn't a monster out there on Thursday night. I think he was still thinking. He was taking in a lot about it being the first game of an NFL career. Mm -hmm. You know, first snaps of professional football, even if it's preseason. He's still facing starters like Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton. He just wasn't everywhere that you expected him to be. And I think a lot of it was he was thinking. He was thinking about where he's got to be. How he's getting there. And And that's going to happen. That's fine. Yeah. As long as it's not what keeps happening. Right. He's he's 20. Yeah. He's 20 years old. He's 20. In the NFL. That's true. So, my big thing now is just, let's have some patience this year. Yeah. We don't need to worry about if they go 5-11, and 11, if they go well, somehow 11-5. and five. Who cares? Let it go. By the way, you saw on Thursday night, Evan Silva doesn't hate the Bills as much as you think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was tweeting pretty positively about Josh Allen. Yeah. So guess what? Just because he thinks the Bills are going to be bad this year does not mean that you have to hate him. And that's a lot of guys. They don't want the Bills to be bad. They just think that. It's their opinion, man. People are allowed to have them. Opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. (laughs) No, I don't care to bleep that out today. And guess what? Everyone's allowed to have them. Yeah. Because if you don't, you spontaneously combust. Or you're pooping out your stomach. (laughs) I don't think anyone wants that. I think I'm done talking about assholes. (laughs) Talked about a literal butthole. <laughs> Frank, do we have any hockey talk? Because I think um, I'm losing it. <laughs> yes. Oh, Dylan, yeah. Dylan, Dylan Larkin. Larkin happened. Christian Dvorak happened. Sam Reinhardt's getting six. He's <laughs> probably getting six. Sam Reinhardt and his agent were dancing the minute Dylan Larkin and Christian. Like, ah! Christian Dvorak <laughs> got what, 4-8? Four and a half, something like that. Jesus. I'm sorry, but if, if Sam Reinhardt gets below $5.8 million, I'm going to be shocked. Oh, I'll be dancing if he gets – if he he got – yeah, Christian Dvorak got 4.45. Okay. That's just – Yeah. The market's dictating it, and that's the problem. That's the, that's the problem. Yes, the Sabres do have the cards here still. You want to know why? They just traded for Jeff Skinner, bro. Yeah. You don't need to be Jack Eichel's top winger if you ain't showing up, bro. Yeah. However, the market, which very smartly, if you're Sam Reinhardt's agent, you are saying, the market is saying this. Sam Reinhardt's putting up better point production than Christian Dvorak, just about the same point production as Dylan Larkin. Maybe he's deserving some of that cheddar. And that's where the problem is. It's with the market. Thank you, Peter Shirelli, for giving 8.5 on eight years to Leon Dreisaitl, you jerk. <laughs> I hope your team enjoys Cap Hell. 
And when you get there, oh, they're already there. They're already there. I was just going to make the Stugats joke about our brows again. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're there already. I've been enjoying way too much Dan Lebetard lately. No, there's no (laughs) such thing as too much. I've been enjoying the requisite amount of Dan Lebetard show lately. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, thank you, Shirelli, for breaking the league. That's yeah. what he did. He he broke he broke the he NHL. broke the freaking league by signing Drysdale to eight years, eight million per season. Yeah, eight point five. Oh God, it's even worse. <laughs> and and now McDavid's contract's in effect too. Twelve and a half. You guys, Which he deserves. But yes, he deserves that. But you know who didn't deserve eight point five over Leon Drysdale? <sighs> and that that bear, that. That started everything. That was the avalanche. I don't know what's worse. Shooting yourself in the foot with a rusty nail gun or being Peter Shirelli's brain? I was going to... I would pick Peter Shirelli's brain. Sure. I was going to say, I don't know what's worse. Leon Dreisaito's contract or Milan Lucic's? Lucic. Of course. Dreisaito at least can skate and not... (laughs) Like, I, I know I would lose... But I want to punch Le- uh, Milan Lucic's face because it needs fixing. <laughs> <laughs> I would then have my face reconstructed. Yes. Good news. I work in radio. <laughs> so maybe he could fix it for me too. We're square. <laughs> Mine will hurt more though. <laughs> my face will hurt more, I should say. Yeah. My punch will not. <laughs> okay. So, Sam Reinhart, probably getting a lot of money. I would say closer to six, yeah. Now with Larkin, yeah. Question now is term. Are you giving him that money on six years? Are you giving him that money on four years? Are you giving him the bridge contract and making him get that higher money and he's betting on himself? That's kind of where we're at right now. All of Um, that is questions. That's where we're at right now because – there's there are report there you know there are a little bit of reports saying Sabers are offering a bridge. Reinhardt wants term, things like want, that. If you want term, you got to cut down a little bit on that money. I think probably maybe may have hopefully. To. hopefully hopefully Dylan Larkin not helping. I think I Ken think it's Holland boot size twelve, but. I think if the Sabres are going to give Reinhardt term now, they're going to want to do it. They're going to want to try and take off as many UFA years as possible. And with Reinhardt being, I believe, 22. Yes. He would hit UFA at 26. Mm Mm-hmm. So right right away you're giving him four years. Yep. And you may you may want to give him more. You may have to give him more if you want to take away as many as possible. Yeah. Mm. So mm. that's that's the issue. There's a lot of an issue. But that's why it's called negotiation. Yeah. Because you need to talk both ways. Yeah. And mm. now with and now with Larkin's contract, I think there might be a possibility that. Sabres make another trade to dump salary. <laughs> they may have to. 
because there there's no because there's no way the Sabers are going to go into the season with less than a million dollars in cap space. Let's say Reinhardt signs six. Let's say Reinhardt signs five years at yep. six million. Yep. That would leave the Sabers with less than half a million in cap space. There is no way they're going into the season with that. They're gonna ha- they're gonna have to make a trade. That's true. Hey to Frank, dump salary. Hey Frank, you want to know something really important? What's that? One year ago today, yeah, we found a pile of bread on a table <laughs> at Enercom <laughs> Buffalo. That was a year ago. That was a year ago. That was like wow. Last year, on August twelfth. Wow. That's we walk awesome. into the break room, and there is a bunch. There is of bread. I still have in the... loaves. You still have some of the bread. No, not the bread. I have the picture. There was a lot of bread. There was a lot of it. You could have froze it and legitimately said you still had some. Yeah, except it didn't. Because it's actually believable. Except it didn't. Because there was that much freaking bread. <laughs> that much bread. I still have the I'm gonna, picture that I took. I'm gonna tweet of all the picture. The I'm gonna tweet the picture out as a celebration of the anniversary of bread. A bunch of bread. Unfortunately, sitting here on a Saturday also, last year. We also made a video. Yes, because I bought a freaking loaf of bread that day. Yeah, you brought a loaf of bread, <laughs> and then we made a video where you walked in, because I was saw pissed. the bread, and then kicked the bread that you had. Yes, because I wasted two dollars. <laughs> Here's the thing: I have half of that video. It I'm cuts not even off. Gonna, I'm not even going to ask right. how you got half. It cut. It, it what cut, I remember I from the video is this: I punted the loaf of bread that I had because I was pissed. We did and a piece I did of it bread. Snapchat and a piece of bread ended up on top of a vending machine because I took the video through Snapchat. Ah, and because it cuts off after like ten seconds, I forgot to save the the after the uh, the second part of the, the video. aftermath of me punting my bread. You actually punting it? Yes, I punted it. Yeah, I don't have the punting part anymore. That is unfortunate. That's the unfortunate part, yes. But I was so pissed. I bought a loaf of bread thinking I'm going to make some sandwiches yeah. while I'm at work today. Yep. Because I I'm, do- I'm, done with, I'm done with Sports Talk Saturday. I was here. And I'm here to – what was I there for? It was probably some NASCAR thing or some golf thing. Actually, it was probably the PGA Championship from last year. May have been. Might have been. I was here doing something. Yeah. Clearly. And the next thing you know, I realize I wasted some money. So what did I do? I didn't do the rational thing of eat that bread and then try to eat some more bread. I kicked the $2 that I spent mm-hmm. on bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, a, I don't know why there was, why the hell is there a I remember talking to our talking to our program director Alan Davis the next day and like what was with what's with all the bread? Why is it here? Why is it still here? Cuz it was still there on that Monday. Mhm. Frank's got the picture. He's going to upload it on Twitter at I, Frank R. Curry. I'm going to I'll never It's just one of those things that's unexplainable because it's there on a on a Saturday. Here's the thing about here's the thing about working here at Anacom Buffalo. Nobody is here on the weekends. Yep. The only ones that are here are the people doing programming for BEN. Me. Or GR, which was me. Yep. Or the random person hanging out at KISS or 107.7. There are no bosses. There is no one from the sales group. There is no one from promotions. Nobody is here. 
at most, if there are more than five people in the building, something is strange. Or there's someone with a lot of guests coming in. Legit. A, sp- a Saturday, a Sports Talk Saturday with me and Nate or me and Sal will often involve me and either Nate or Sal or Brayton in yesterday's case. Yeah. And then you in BEN with a call screener and whoever's doing your show. Mm-hmm. So five, maybe six people at a time. Yep. Seven Not if you want to count KB. If they're doing a biases game. And sometimes that's done by, like, if it's in the afternoon, it's done by, like, four anyway. Exactly. I'm done by two. Yeah. So six people at one time is kind of crazy on a Saturday. And yet, here I am, some jackass with a loaf of bread, coming in to at least 20 loaves of bread. The funniest part was, I wa- like you were already there. You were already a GR when I got there. That's the thing. I came I in, walked and in. there was no bread before. And Geary, I, Geary came in. There was no bread before. And I came in at noon. And there was no bread and there. There was no bread. So between twelve and two, wow, what mysteries we have here. Between twelve and two, was it two? No, it it would have been. Um, it was two o'clock because I was going to leave. And I said, Frank, what is with all this bread? What do you mean there's all this bread? Get out here. Look at all this bread. That's how it went. I called you from down the hall. I swear, I think it was closer to like three or four. Because I'm pretty sure I was in my, um, I was done with the live shows. You're right. Because the post I put up is from 402. So it was a little before four. So I must have stayed late to do something. Yeah, you, you stayed late. I did. That's right. But still, where the hell did all this bread come from? I don't know. And just looking Uh, at this picture reminds me, where the hell did all this bread come from? Yeah, we still don't know. What the? (laughs) There's a lot of mysteries here at Anacom Buffalo. There's a lot of mysteries on the weekends at Anacom Buffalo. Working with us is a gem. You should do it. (laughs) (laughs) You should. Because then the next thing you know, you're talking about bread on a podcast. Yeah. At your own station a year ago. Yeah. I mean, it's better than uh, it's better than Poopgate. We don't talk about that, Frank. <laughs> All right. I think I think we've ran I out of things. I think we ran out of things. We're getting we're loopy done. or stupid. I'm hungry. And we're usually stupid. Okay, that explains you. I don't know what explaining me. This has been the Leftovers Podcast. Thanks for listening somehow on WGR550.com. <laughs> as we wrap up. 10 minutes of talk about bread being on a table and I'm still perplexed. Yeah. So thank you as always for listening. I'm Derek Kramer. I'm Frank Arcari. And you know as they say, someone needs to explain all this damn bread. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.